Hi, I'm Edwards Three, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you have a friend or family member that's doing something that they shouldn't be doing? You see it, you know it, but you just don't say anything to them? You're afraid, you don't know how to bring it up, you don't know if you should bring it up? Or maybe it's just something in the office, you know, somebody you work with that isn't doing their job well, they don't communicate well, they don't finish projects with excellence, it's causing problems on the team, but you're just not sure how to address it with this person. Or maybe there's someone you love, someone you're dating, your spouse, one of your children, or maybe your parent, that they're doing something that hurts you. How do you respond in these situations, you know, we, we, we have all these human communities and, and, and there's conflict in them and we, and we hurt each other because we're fallen human beings. This is just what's going to happen in every marriage, every family, every workplace, every parish, every friendship is going to have these moments uh, of tension. We let each other down. We disappoint each other. And sometimes we even hurt each other. The temptation in our world today is never talk about those things. The temptation is to be so afraid. We're so afraid of conflict that we never bring up the things that are are causing this friction in the relationships. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants us to never bring these things up. He wants us just to bury them inside because that keeps us from real union with each other. The devil wants to divide that's his name. <laughs> he wants to scatter us. Diablo, devil, that's what that means. He, he wants to scatter us. And so he uses this fear of not wanting to address problems in community, address problems in friendships. So we just bury those things inside. And then what we end up doing also is we're, we're afraid of bringing things up. So we, we tend to just kind of sideline people. We just avoid them. And, and it again, it separates us. That's exactly what the devil wants. God wants unity for us. We're made for unity. We're made for unity with him, first and foremost, but we're also made for unity with each other. So when the normal things that come up in every marriage, every human community, every workplace, in even Catholic parishes, this can happen there too, uh, when, when these things come up, what do we do? Let's be Christians and let's address them. Let's have those crucial conversations with people in the right way with great humility and great love, and at the right time. We're going to talk about practically how to do that today based on a lot of what we've been hearing from the readings in Scripture recently at Mass, and that's what we'll look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri. I want to welcome any new listeners joining us here for the first time. I've been a lot around the South. I've been around Texas a lot lately. Uh, I was just this week speaking at Oklahoma State University. Uh, So I got to meet a lot of the college students and the focus missionaries and the focus student leaders there. And then I spoke at Christ the King Parish in Tulsa. Uh, It's one of the focus parishes where we have focus missionaries working in parishes as well, doing missionary work there. And it was awesome. Awesome, just meeting so many lay Catholic faithful from around the diocese. Uh, so please pray for the great state of Oklahoma and the many Catholic leaders that are there. You know, before we dive into the topic, I just want to invite you all to something I mentioned last week. You know, I've, I've been around the country speaking about prayer and just so moved, <laughs> so inspired. I, w- I was just uh, speaking with Sister Miriam about this recently. Uh, we were together and, and just about how there's so many people that realize they don't have a real prayer life. So many good Catholics, Catholics that really do believe they love God and they want to to be a good Christian disciple. They follow the church's teachings. They take in good Catholic content. So they're, they're good, sincere Catholics, but they know they don't have a consistent prayer life. 
And uh, But I've been moved at, as I bring it up, how many of them say, I want to get better at this. I want to. I want to develop a prayer life. I want to have a deep interior life so that I can live more fully my Catholic faith as a disciple, so that I can give more to others, to give more to my family and my friends. So, so it's not just giving me; it's giving Christ radiating through me. So uh, this is really resonating with thousands of people, and I'm just so encouraged by this that I want to invite all of you as well, uh, you who have listened to this podcast regularly, or those that are just checking it out for the first time too. I want to invite you to this 30 day prayer challenge. I'm doing here in October. 30 days of consistent prayer. Join me for a deep dive, praying with the saints, praying with scripture. And I think it takes, you know, 30 days, it says, to to form a habit. That's a great Catholic traditional number. I think of St. Ignatius of Loyola, the 30-day spiritual exercises. Uh, you know, you can say 45 days, 60 days. We're gonna we're gonna start small, baby step here. Could you commit every day to 30 days of prayer? Are you one of those people I was just describing? Are you are you someone that says, you know, I love Jesus, but I I want to have a consistent prayer life? And and again, you've heard me say this before. I, when I'm talking about prayer here, I'm talking about in the sense of the Catholic tradition of daily prayer and meditation, not just vocal prayers, our fathers, Hail Marys, rosaries, divine mercy chaplets, morning prayer, evening prayer, not just saying prayers. Those are beautiful. And and I hope we have those and they enrich our lives. But I'm talking about that daily prayer the saints describe that we looked at last week with St. Teresa of Avila and many other saints. Catechism talks about this as well, that if we really want to go deeper in our friendship with God, if we want to give the best of ourselves to God and to the people in our lives, we need to take in the deep breath of prayer. And that's that meditation prayer where you spend time with the scriptures or spend time with the insights of a saint, uh, some other spiritual devotional book, and and you read a little bit and you, just maybe like a line or two, you pause, you sit in silence. Are you afraid to sit in silence? Can you sit in silence and listen, listen to God? A question came up recently, somebody asked me, you know, what would you say, Dr. Shree, to somebody that says, you know, why should I, why should I bother praying to God? He already knows all my, all my needs. And, you know, why do I have to like present them to him all the time? And I said, well, that's just one tiny aspect of prayer. That's just the prayer of petition. <laughs> There's so much more to the prayer life of God wanting to write his love on our hearts. And we need to have that quiet time, that personal time, that time in meditation every day, 15 to 20 minutes. I, I think 30 is ideal, but we're going to start small. We're going to start with a discount here. You can start with 15 to 20 minutes every day for 30 days. Will you join me in this? And feel free to use whatever you want, whatever you know, Bible passage or writing of a saint. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to be doing and what I'll be sharing reflections on is from my new book, When You Pray. It's 30 Short Reflections from the Wisdom of the Saints about the spiritual life. So it's not a book about prayer. It's about a book that you take to prayer, that you use in prayer to cooperate with God more in prayer, to really meet God in a deep personal way in prayer. It's called When You Pray, Trust, Surrender, and the Transformation of Your Soul. 30 short reflections that you can use for the chapel. You can get that at ascensionpress.com. That's ascensionpress.com. That's what I'll be using and I'll be talking about in these in these 30 days. And you can join me to kick it all off. I'm going to do a Facebook Live event on Monday, October 2nd, 2023. So right coming up here. So Monday, October 2nd, 7 p.m. Uh, mountain Time. That's 9 p.m. 
Eastern time in the United States. You can join us for that. I'm going to kick us off to inspire us in these 40 days of prayer. So start on on the Sunday, October 1st, the great feast of St. Therese. Uh, and then you can, you can follow us along throughout the 30 days. And what a wonderful way to spend the month of October getting ready for All Saints Day on November 1st. So 30-day prayer challenge. I want to invite you all to, to join me for that. You can email me your questions because in that Facebook Live event, I'll take questions about that you may have about prayer. And I'll probably bring up some of those questions on the podcast too. So you can email me any questions you have about the life of prayer, how to get started, or struggles you may have in prayer, questions you may have about prayer. Uh, you can email me at info.edwardsree at gmail.com. That's info.edwardsri at gmail.com. Send me your questions, and I'll take some of those questions at that Facebook Live event and in future episodes here. All right, well, Let's talk, though, about this this topic on how do we handle conflict? How do we deal with the ordinary hurts that come up in daily life? Sometimes they're really big ones, but there's also just those ordinary ones, the, the friction that there is with your someone you work with, somebody at your parish, somebody in your family, a roommate. These things come up in human communities. And I think the readings, the last couple of weeks from the the mass readings have have really spoken to this. So I want to look at one of the Old Testament readings. It's really brief. I know we don't often use the book of Ezekiel for our Lectio Divina and our morning prayer, but man, there was a line that hit me. And I've read and taught on Ezekiel, but this year, for whatever reason, it really hit me when I heard it in the liturgy. It's from Ezekiel 33. It's the idea of speaking the truth. That that's many times we, we we are afraid and we don't speak the truth. And Ezekiel is the prophet and God is speaking through him and saying, you know, that there okay, if there's a wicked person, you know, and he continues in his wickedness, he's going to die. Now, what you need to understand is biblically that death is like spiritual death, like Adam and Eve, they go to the garden and they eat of the, the forbidden fruit to the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They, it says they, they would surely do, be doomed to die. Now, we know they don't die immediately. <laughs> they, 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 they die later on. You know, they, they lose immortality. But the language was you will die immediately. That's what it meant in the Hebrew when it says, if you eat of the, free, the fruit of the tree, you will surely die. You are surely doomed to die. It means immediate death. But what Genesis is talking about there is spiritual death, which is even greater than natural death. You know, I think about the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son left, you know, abandoned the father's love and committed all these sins. And then he comes back and he returns. And you remember what the father says about it? My son who was lost is found. My son who was dead is now alive. You see, in the biblical Jewish sense, death, physical death is not as bad as spiritual death. And I think that's the context here when God is talking about if a man persists in his wickedness, he shall surely die. It's that same language from Genesis. Um, and he's talking about, otherwise he's going to die a spiritual death. And that that's that's actually more tragic than just dying in a car accident. This is like the, the man is now com- completely separated from God. And listen to this. He says, if I say to the wicked, oh, wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from his way. The wicked shall die for his guilt, but I will hold you responsible for his death. Whoa. <laughs> I want to read that again, or just the, main, the gist of this here. If you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from his way, I will hold you responsible for his death, his spiritual death. Now, I, I want to be clear here. I mean, the, the man that's living a wicked life, that's living in mortal sin, he's responsible for his choices, for his decisions. He's the primary person responsible. 
And yet, we all have a responsibility to care for each other. God puts people in our lives for a reason so that we can be an instrument to speak his truth, to proclaim his love, his mercy. And, and so God puts people in our lives. Will we be the best friend to that person? Uh, and and I, I think about Cain, you know, the story of Cain and Abel. Do you remember what Cain said after he murdered his brother Abel? God confronts him and says, hey, where's your, where's your brother Abel? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? You know, that's this this individualistic kind of view of life that's very popular in our age today, <laughs> in our secular world. It's all about me. It's just about my life. You know, hey, as long as I'm not hurting anybody, it's just my life. Just let me do what I want. I'm just free to do whatever I want. I, I'm not my brother's keeper. I'm not responsible for people around me. That's not what the Bible says. Ezekiel is very clear on this. When we have people in our lives that are making choices that are not good for them, we have a responsibility to speak to them. If we don't, God says, I will hold you responsible. I mean, think about it. If you had a family member, a friend that was, you know, I don't know, about to board a plane and you know that that plane had a bomb on it, you know, and you, and you don't say anything, you know, that's, the, you know, what kind of, what kind of friend, what kind of family member are you, you know, or if you knew that, you know, your friend was about to drink something that had poison in it and you didn't say anything, right? We, we of course, we, we would tell a friend if we love them. We want what's best for them. We talk to them about these things. <laughs> so, but when it comes to spiritual things, we, we tend to just go, oh, well, it's not as bad as poison or not as bad as a plane crashing. But remember the Bible highlights spiritual death is more severe because that soul could be ending up eternally separated from God if we don't intervene and say something. Now, that being said, I want to be clear. This doesn't mean you just go pick up your phone and you call that, you know, old roommate of yours or, you know, that that relative of yours and you just start telling them all their sins. So hold on a second before you get on that high horse there and and, and run with this point from, from Ezekiel 33. Uh, foundationally, we have a responsibility. I'm just trying to break down the modern individualistic mindset that gets us to think, oh, well, that's other people's lives. I don't have to do anything. We have a responsibility. Now, what do we do with that responsibility? Well, the first thing is we need to pray for the person. If I'm not praying for that person, I should not be picking up the phone to call that person and tell them of all their sins. <laughs> so so I should be praying for them. I should be fasting for them, sacrificing for them. That That's a really important thing. I also have to realize that it may not be the right time. I think that that's, so I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to fast for them. And then I'm going to, I'm going to be patient I'm going to wait for the right time. I often highlight how Jesus, there were times on Good Friday that he didn't speak. He remained silent because he knew it wasn't going to do any good. But when he did speak, he had the courage to speak the truth and he ends up dying for it. So th there may be a Pontius Pilate moment in your life where you have to just speak. Are you ready for that? Are you preparing for that? So I, I hope you're getting a sense of the balance here, that we need to have the right balance of knowing I have a responsibility for this other person, my, this brother, this sister, this friend, this parent, this child, this um, colleague, the people God has placed in my life, I have a special responsibility to care for them. And if I just like go, oh yeah, they're living in sin, but I'm not thinking about them at all, that God's going to hold me accountable for that. I will be responsible for that person's spiritual death. I will have a part of a responsibility because I am meant to be living in solidarity with them. But I live that solidarity first by praying for them by sacrificing for them. I'm going to be patient and wait for the right time. 
If I, you know, if I, if I don't have a good relationship with this person, it might not be the right time to bring it up. Maybe I need to repair the relationship. I need to build up greater trust. Maybe I need to make sure this person knows how much I really love them, that I am going to be a friend to them. I'm going to, I'm going to still love them, even if they persist in their bad choices. Uh, they, they need to be really assured of that. So I, maybe there's a, a number of things I need to do before I have that big conversation. So we don't have to have it right away. We need to be patient. But are we praying for that? That's, a, that's maybe another thing we could do is pray. Say, God, I pray I can have that conversation with my brother. I pray I can have that conversation with my colleague. I pray I can have my con- this conversation with this, this friend. So, so we're, we're asking God, we want to move toward the opportunity to be able to share the love of Jesus with others. For that person's good, because they'll be happier if they're living according to God's plan. So I, ho- I hope you're getting a sense here, the balance, right? We, so we, we don't say, I don't have a responsibility, so I don't have to think about it, because that, that's what many people do. Many people are so afraid to bring up anything that involves conflict that they never say anything. Uh, and so what do they do? They, they just you know never bring it up, and they just go on and live their own merry lives. Am I my brother's keeper, like Cain? <laughs> that's what most many Christians might do. And, and I'm trying to say, no, we have a responsibility. Now that we have that responsibility, let's move forward with Christian prudence and Christian love. So I'm going to pray, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait till I have a sense like is this a good time to bring this up? But I'm I'm also I'm I'm trying to move in that direction. I'm not just saying, "Oh, I hope one day, maybe before I die." No, no, I am I'm actively I'm praying, I'm asking God, God, I pray I can have that conversation with this person. It's going to be really hard and I'm scared, God, but I pray I can I can have that. Now, when when we do have that moment, and you do have to bring up something that's that's kind of a ha- hard, and you know maybe it involves a certain sin and or a certain weakness. How do we approach the conversation itself? If we're blessed to be able to share the truth and love, how do we do that? Three things here. First, humility. We have to come with great humility. We have to realize it, our our own weaknesses, our own sins. If we find ourselves eager, you know, have you ever met that you can tell there's certain people that are kind of eager. They want to, they want, they love having these conversations. They want to point out what other people do, you know, that's wrong. They want to point out other people's faults. They like being able to teach others. If you're in the, if you're in that boat, you ever notice that? Like, you know, I like to point, oh, I, I like to be able to teach other people. You know, why is it, you know, what's going on there? There could be a little bit of pride. There could be like, it makes me feel better about myself. Like, oh, I got my Christian life together. <laughs> so, and this other person doesn't. So I, I, you know, I like giving advice and helping other people to, you know, because I see so clearly, you know, how to live and, you know, and, and I, oh, and I know how to, how to do this. And I'm, I've got all these virtues here and I, I like helping people. Like th- there's a little bit of pride that comes in that. You know, so if you have a little kind of eagerness to go into some of these conversations, you might want to just re-examine your own heart and ask, do you realize how weak you are? How many sins you have? <laughs> how many times you have hurt other people? You know, because if, we, if, we're, if we're coming from that place of, man, I could be a jerk, I could be so selfish, I've made big mistakes in my life, I struggle with sins still. If I'm coming from that place then it doesn't matter what I say. It's just, I'm, it's almost like the, the, the whole tone of the conversation is going to be so different because it's coming from a place of humility. The second thing is uh, we want to come from a place of compassion. So I, it's humility. It's also compassion. Like I, I have experienced God's patience with me. I know my weakness. That was the first point, humility. And then I've experienced how gentle God has been with me 
how patient he's been with me, how many times I'd sin and make mistakes and keep bringing that same weakness to confession. And, you know, and yet God forgives me over and over again. He's so patient and gentle and compassionate and encouraging with me. If I've experienced God's forgiveness in my own life, deep in the core of my heart, if I've experienced his rich mercy, his patience, then when I approach my brother with something that's wrong, I, I, I'm not coming from a prideful position. It's just, I'm coming from a disposition of, yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all struggling here. I just happen, you know, I, I, I noticed this, or I, like when you said this, it kind of, it hurt me, but I know I've, I've done this probably more times to you, <laughs> you know, so I'm sorry. You know, like you, you, you recognize your own weakness deeply. You're not coming from a heart of judgment. I think that's one thing that really hurts these conversations is when we come with a kind of a more a judgmental kind of attitude of, you know, you're just not doing this, this is wrong, and here's the three reasons. If we can, now you might need to explain clearly that someone's doing something wrong. You might have to give those three reasons. You know, some people like really need that. So I'm not saying not to do that, but but it has to come from a place of great compassion from the compassion you've received from God. So if you have really experienced deeply in your heart how merciful God is with you, that you don't deserve this love that he's offered. If you've experienced that deeply in your life, then you're in a great place to be able to just share as a as a fellow sufferer in life. We're we're all struggling. We all have original sin, and and it's not going to come off as 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 any as anything prideful. Thirdly, last thing here is we want to come and approach this with great mercy and grace, not be legalistic. In other words, I think many times when we approach matters of, you know, this is what the church calls fraternal correction in the tradition. You know, we, we, we correct our brothers. We want to approach this with great mercy, not just point out the fault, because many times we're just convinced of the truth. Hey, you know, abortion's wrong, so you need to stop being pro-abortion. You know, and we're just focused on the truth, you know, or, you know, lying is wrong, you know, or sexual sin is wrong. We just focused on that aspect of the truth, the the moral law. And again, you know how important that is. We have to follow the moral law. We should never run away from the moral law. We have to proclaim it. That's a part of the conversation. But the whole truth that God reveals isn't just on Mount Sinai. It's also on Calvary. The whole truth God revealed is not just on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. It's also on Calvary. It's the revelation of his sacrificial, merciful, loving heart that he was willing to die for us. So he reveals the the truth of the moral law. Here's how we're, we're called to live so that we could be happy. But he also reveals his, his great mercy, his great forgiveness, and his grace. So in other words, like when I'm having the conversation with someone about their, you know, pro-abortion stances or about their struggles with pornography or their sexual sins, or I'm talking to someone about their, the way they lose their temper in the office or how they treat their wife or whatever, you know, okay. So whatever the topic is, I could focus on just the thing itself. This is what you're doing. That's wrong. That's a legalistic approach to these conversations, but that's not the whole truth. The whole truth that God revealed isn't just, here's the moral law. It's the truth of his mercy. That, 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 that's also a part of the truth. And I think people who are struggling with sin, people that are, maybe they have like addictions and all, like to just go to them and say, hey, you got an addiction, just get your act together. The moral law says this. The Ten Commandments say this. <laughs> you know, like that's not good. That's not, that's just going to discourage them. They, many of them already know that what they're doing is wrong and they feel really ashamed about it. Just simply saying, stop doing that isn't enough. They need to know God's mercy. 
they need to know, you know what? God knows what you're doing and he loves you. He knows every time you look at porn. He knows every time you have those lustful thoughts. He knows every time you lose your temper with your kids. He knows every time you're, you're frustrated with your wife. He knows every time you, you know, lie to somebody, okay, whatever the sin is. Okay. God knows all that. And he loves you. He is so in love with you. And he knows that we're weak and we're fallen and he's so quick to forgive. He's so patient, so gentle, so rich, so kind in, in, in mercy. And, and he, he just, he doesn't, he just wants to, he just wants to help you. He wants to heal. He wants to free you from your bad habits. He wants to free you from this because he loves you and wants to be at one with you. Yes, you need to try and you need to cooperate, but he's so quick to forgive. So every time you fall into the sin, whatever that is, there's always mercy. We need, we need, every time we talk about the truth, we always need to bring mercy. It's not just the moral truth. It's the truth of God's love. The, it all goes together. I mean, God's, God is love and he loves us so much. He shows us the truth. He shows us the law so we can live and thrive and be happy to live according to his plan. That's how much he loved us. He made us to live a certain way. And, and if we live according to that plan, we will be happy. And so he didn't just leave us on earth to just try to figure it out. He actually came and revealed himself to us. That's Mount Sinai, if you will. And, and it's also the Mount of the Beatitudes and all of Jesus' teachings and the 2,000 years of the Catholic Church's wisdom, the catechism, all that, right? But, but let's just call it Sinai for now. That's, that's part of the, the revelation of who God is. His truth, he loves us and he shows us the plan. But it's, not, it's also the Mount of Calvary. <laughs> it, it, and that's the fullest thing. That's, that's his love. That, that's also a part of the truth. That's part of who God is as well. He's not just a lawgiver, he's a lover. And he loves us so much that every time we fall, he wants to forgive us. And he doesn't just want to forgive us, he wants to heal us. He wants to help us overcome those weaknesses and faults and addictions and enslavements we have in our lives. That's why he gives us his grace. That's a part of the revelation of who God is, is it gives us grace. So if we're talking to someone, whatever they may be struggling with, we're coming with great humility, we're coming with great compassion. And if appropriate, I think it's good to also just not point out the thing, just say, you know what, I, God is, the good news is God is always forgiving. He's forgiven me so many times. He forgives all of us. And I, I, I know that I, I struggle too, and I'm just thankful for his grace because anytime I do something right, I know it's not me. I know it's God's grace helping me. But that same grace that has helped me, I know can help you. That's, that's a powerful message. If you just tell someone here, jump 20 feet. They're like, I can't, <laughs> you know, but then you give them like these little rocket launchers or something they can jump over. It's like, oh, wow, cool. I could do it, you know, but it, to just tell them, go jump 20 feet, that, that would be just discouraging. And that's what we do to many people when we present, especially our friends in the secular world, when we present a high bar of morality and they just, they don't know the story of God's love and his mercy. They just feel overwhelmed. I can't, I can't jump 20 feet. They need to know that there's the spiritual rocket of God's love, his mercy, the sacraments, the grace that comes to us, that helps us to live the law, helps us to do what we can't do on our own. That's why we need more than Sinai. That's why Christ came and he came to Calvary, to release from his merciful heart the water and the blood that comes from his side, the life of baptism symbolized by the water from his side and the Eucharist coming forth from his side. Like the, all of that, the, the, the grace of the sacraments, that's a part of the revelation of the love of God. And that's what will inspire people to live the law, to live the truth, 
that they might find too hard on their own. I hope this has been helpful for all of us. Like this is good for me as I'm teaching this actually right now, I'll be honest. I have to tell you, there's, there's elements that go, I need to remember the cross and not just Sinai in my own life. I could be too hard on myself or my kids or my wife. I'm just looking at it from a legal thing. And I need to remember in my own life, it's not about perfectionism. We're called to be perfect, but we'll be made perfect in Jesus, not by my own self-will. That's what perfectionism is. It's me on my own. But to remember, no, 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 God is the one that makes me perfect. And that happens not at Sinai, but through the blood and water of Christ on Calvary, the birth of the church, the grace of the sacraments. This is beautiful stuff, friends. Let's just thank the Lord. But, I, you know, if you want to go deeper in these themes, this is, this is what the interior life is all about, by the way. The whole life of prayer isn't just saying prayers and not just doing things. It's, it's encountering God's mercy more, encountering his love, meeting him in his merciful love on Calvary more. And if you want that for your life, you want to live from that grace more, you need daily prayer. Join me this October for the 30-day prayer challenge from October 1st to the 30th. We're going to do 30 days of prayer, and you could do whatever kind of prayer you want. We use whatever book. Just, just make sure it's not just vocal prayers and devotions. You're doing some kind of meditation, quiet time, 15, 20 minutes every day. Um, but if you want to join me in the process, you could use the book that I'm going to be reflecting on in these 30 days. It's the book that I wrote, When You Pray. Uh, trust, Surrender, and the Transformation of Your Soul, 30 Short Reflections That You Can Use for Your Prayer Life. So it's not a book about prayer. I want to be really clear on this. It's a book that you use in prayer to cooperate with God more in prayer, to meet God in prayer more. Um, and and it's funny, you, you may be wondering, Dr. Who's going to use his own book in prayer? Well, I am because most of the book isn't me. It's not my writing. I have to be honest. It's the wisdom of the saints and wisdom of many great spiritual teachers that I have been blessed to learn from over the years. Uh, so I will gladly go back and read the wisdom of St. Therese of Lisieux and St. Benedict and John of the Cross and so many, many saints that uh, have impacted my life. And I want to use this time to just go deeper with them. So that, that's what that is. So again, it's called When You Pray, Trust, Surrender, and the Transformation of Your Soul. You can get it at ascensionpress.com. That's ascensionpress.com. Uh, 30 short reflections to use in prayer. And if you have any questions about prayer, join me for the Facebook Live event Monday, October 2nd at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's Monday, October 2nd. Facebook Live event, you can send me questions at info.edwards3 at gmail.com. That's info.edwardsri at gmail.com. I'll take those questions at that Facebook Live event on October 2nd at 7 p.m. Mountain, or I'll also take them on the podcast too. Thanks for listening, my friends. Let's pray for each other. God bless. God bless.